Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Callum. And one of us is bored. This week, we're discussing the fly. The fly. The fly. <laughs> I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yep, they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. But they were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is... I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Welcome to the birthday month. Sam, why don't you tell us what this month's about? <laughs> this month's all about the favourite of the podcast, Mr... Well, Mr. The Jeff Goldblum. It's really hard to keep saying the. <laughs> if you don't know why we call him the Jeff Goldblum, it's because I fucked up my words and I went to go say the dad in, in, in a podcast and it came out the Jeff Goldblum. So now that's a thing that I can't live down forever. And I got a giant Jeff Goldblum standee who lives with me now. He's my roommate. Mm -hmm. I got her that. <laughs> what better way to celebrate my birthday month than with the Jeff Goldblum, my best buddy? Exactly. I can't think of a better way for this month to to progress. Um, <laughs> so we're starting off this month with The Fly, which was one that I had insisted we'd watch. I don't think this was <laughs> anywhere on your radar for us to watch, really. So, so I've instantly taken over your birthday month with a choice of my own. Thank you. <laughs> um, I suppose on that front, had did you know anything about this, or had you seen this before, or? Well, we did um, in uni. We did like a modernism film thing, and there was a big body horror section there. Mm -hmm. So, and this was definitely, definitely referenced because this is the most body horror film ever. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. I was aware of it. I just never had the inclination to watch it. And now I have. And, well, I have watched it. And it will stay with me. <laughs> I sure have watched it too. I I had seen bits of this before. Um, I think I had maybe seen the final 15 minutes or so. Um, I caught it on TV when it was on once. Um but I, I'd never seen the start and generally wasn't really sure what... I was going to say I wasn't really sure what the overall plot was, but the plot is pretty simple. It is just um, a man and a fly become genetically meshed together and the results are shocking. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say the, the results aren't very fly-like. Like, I wouldn't say that flies are known for their sexual prowess or their super strength. No, I wouldn't have suggested that either. He doesn't really look a fly either. I, I see when I pictured this in my head, I pictured him to be like more like the Simpsons episode, mm -hmm. which is probably like, I knew the plot from the Simpsons episode, but I imagine it to be like a kind of like half fly, half human. But this was like a fucking grotesque mm. monster that was uh, I don't know. They said it was a fly. What what did you make of the the transformations and the CGI and the the practical effects throughout this? 
I actually thought they were quite good. I know there was like little bits, like some of the, you know, the sci-fi flashy lights and stuff maybe weren't great, but I would say that the body horror was really good because I actually was fucking pretty disgusted for the entirety of the second half of this. I was I was thinking this actually. I um, <laughs> I, I guess this is childish in some ways, but um, I uh, purposely did not eat dinner while watching this because I was <laughs> like, I think I'm gonna, I think it's gonna put me off. Um, so I purposefully made sure I wasn't uh, consuming anything while watching it. I agree. I think a lot of the, especially consider. I mean, it's it's late eighties this, so it's not oh, mid eighties, I suppose. So it's not that old really but considering considering its age i think a lot of the effects and the makeup and stuff actually have stood up really well the one part for me that didn't look so great was when fly jeff threw up on the arm of um the um the guy that was trying to shoot him and his his hand started melting and then they say like that I didn't think looked particularly good. The rest of it, whether it's the inside out baboon or the giant maggot or the, the the bits of his face falling off or his fingernails coming away, I thought all of that was pretty great, honestly. It it looked good. Well, it disgusting. It was disgusting, but it looked it looked believable, I suppose is what I'm saying. It was looked yeah, it looked like a scary, yucky thing. Yeah um his his um i suppose decomposing skin and the rest of it like him ending up in this full body suit of makeup towards the end as well there's some commitment going on there i thought the special effects with him crawling around on the ceiling to being on the wall to being on the floor in the same shot were pretty good as well um again considering the film's age i don't know if uh, this was really considered a like a technical marvel at the time, but I think there's definitely. I think it may have. I, I think it say, was. I think there's a good argument to be made that it probably should have been if it wasn't. It won an Academy Award for best makeup. Oh, brilliant! Well, I... so and it deserved it. Like it was like really well done. I think there's something to be said for practical effects when it comes to body horror. I think when you use too much CGI, it becomes uncanny valley, and it's horrific in a different way. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think some of the, the the transformations, especially the final transformation, was pretty cool with the melting eyes and the skin falling off. And I know the the kind of the final fly like creature wasn't the most realistic thing ever, but I think we've had a lot of films in recent years where there's some kind of transformation occurring, uh, and they've used CGI as opposed to something else. And I would argue that some of those have aged worse than this. So. If he wasn't a fly, like it would have been like I think he's more of a praying mantis type figure at the end. Mm. Yeah, there's there's um there's definitely a uh a, a not sort of the best representation of what it's like to be a fly, I suppose. Flies I I would never have thought flies of being that aggressive, to be honest. Like if anything, they're just stupid. No, it's not very he's not very fly like. I would say that's my one critique would be it's a good body horror and you know, all the themes are there, but I would just say like it's not really fly like. You could have done any other insect or just, uh, you know, a, a mishmash of other insects, I guess. But, like, even a fucking spider. Like, he would be more like a spider. But, like, the things he gets, it's just like, that's, I don't know. Like, they live 24 hours. Like, that would be more interesting if he'd, like, only lasted 24 hours. Yeah, I actually thought there was a point during this where I was trying to think, how is this going to end exactly? Because you could see him getting worse and worse. And, you know, he, he pushes 
um, I've oh god, Callum, why are you not prepared for this? He pushes Veronica away. It's well, she's called Ronnie during the film. Like they never called her Veronica, so I didn't know her name was Veronica. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie, he pushes Ronnie away. Uh, essentially um, because he's too fucking horny. And so he goes out and finds someone else, but he tries to get her to come back again to help. Because um, he's He gets quite aggressive when he doesn't get what he wants, and he does start seriously decomposing as it goes on. Um, but I agree. I, I think it should have happened quicker. I think it should have been a, a maybe a 24-hour period or... Yeah, like a fly life. Yeah, or 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 a, a couple of hours or whatever, and even towards the end when he he keeps flitting between being somewhat aware of what he's doing and not caring, or being aware and kind of almost begging for death or begging for for help or whatever. Like his he's seriously messed up, and I suppose that's kind of interesting because that's the human and the fly having an inner fight for control or whatever or it's instinct versus what you know is right having is a is an interesting kind of battle i guess um for oneself maybe maybe if not for the audience (laughs) it's really good um like you know body horror is always about i say always they usually come out around about times where there's illness Mm -hmm. and supposedly the flies because the director's mum had cancer and he was kind of you know talking about that and the changes Mm -hmm. and how scary it's having your own body attack you which Mm -hmm. i guess you but it also coincidentally happened to be released during the AIDS crisis. And I would actually say that that would make more sense because the the sexual thing kind of makes more sense and the lesions on his face makes more mm-hmm. sense. If it's like an AIDS, you know, metaphor, I guess. Then cancer, I guess. Usually it's hand in hand, cancer and, and AIDS, I think. It is. And I think I think what you can do there is you can maybe try and, you know, attach either of them onto it here. Because I think there was a point where he he walks from behind a door and suddenly he's he's using like crutches essentially to get around and he's he's needing like that look. Oh yeah. Yeah. Aging as well. Yeah, it's yeah. another thing for aging. Which again, if we'd done the twenty four hour life cycle, that would have been a lot better. It'd been like, you know, a reverse Benjamin was it Benjamin Button? The one Benjamin where Button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just rapid aging, and that would be a good body horror because aging is scary as well. You it know? sure is. Yeah. We wouldn't know anything about that. No, no, but, no. We're never going to be old. But we've heard. We've heard yeah. it's scary. Um, so, yeah, it's. Um, I think that's a really, really good point. There's, there's an awful lot of stuff here that you can take from it or, you know, read into there. Um, it's a very film student y film, which is, it why is it's so funny. We never watched it. Well, yeah, like I, I was thinking that at the time because this is, um, this is a, I don't, maybe you'll not agree with this, but I don't think this is the most Jeff Goldblumiest performance that Jeff Goldblum has ever Jeff Goldblumed. It's quite an early Jeff Goldblum performance. He wasn't quite Jeff Goldblumed up yet. He hadn't established the Jeff Goldblumy, Jeff Goldblumness. No, probably not. I, I, I find it really funny seeing him with the puffy hair. Yeah. The fucking 15 minute exercise thing we had to watch. I'm like, oh my God, Jeff Goldblum's really loving himself. But I think it might be a body double, as my dad pointed out. So Yeah, I think it was as well. I, I made a note to say that like regardless, it was quite impressive. Like, I mean, I'm I'm presuming most of that was actually done and it wasn't necessary. See, I wonder actually if maybe they would have had wires dragging whoever it was round. But you can get people that can do that, can't you? So yeah, it's not so like- yeah, why would you bother? But yeah, so anyway, this was 1986 and Jurassic Park was 1993. I would argue that Jeff Goldblum bloomed into full Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. But you can definitely see... So you could say he Jeff Goldblumed. 
<laughs> Ejaculabloomed. <laughs> and he stayed that way forever. But I would say there's definitely enough ums and ahs and like scientific rambles to, like, he's definitely Jeff Goldblum. But interestingly, he's a fly, he's not anymore. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well. But like, I thought it was really good that. So he's one of those actors, I think, that for me, he can't play anything without it's it's i suppose it's a this is a weird analogy but it's like when you see lady gaga in a film you're like that's lady gaga yeah when you see jeff goldblum he's jeff goldblum, he's jeff goldblum. like i don't buy him as any character except possibly for ian malcolm but that's just that's that's an aside like anything else it's just jeff goldblum and there were points during this where actually you know especially when he was properly turning into the, the fly creature where you you did forget that i having said that we're at that point presuming that he is completely under the makeup at that point because there are points when it's no longer him uh facially even so we're assuming that it was still him doing that at that point maybe well, it's so not. might have been jeff goldblum which is voicing someone else playing jeff goldblum could be i don't know you know what's bad though you know we're like oh you know i didn't recognize him when, you, when i was watching i was like wow jeff goldblum's really on jeff goldblum right now when he was a fly like if I was still, you know, seeing him as Jeff Goldblum, but I was acknowledging that he was less Jeff Goldblum than usual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he um he is funny. I'm so glad we're doing this month. I really am. Um the the story in this is quite basic. We've we've got um we've got a journalist who meets Jeff Goldblum at a social event or a, a fundraiser. Stuart Little's mum. Is that who it is? Yeah, but did you know he was married to her in real life? No. Just after this. <gasps> Interesting. No, mm, I didn't, didn't last know long. that. Oh, well. Before he went full Jekyll Bloom, they divorced. Oh, maybe that. He must have become too much. Yeah, he was He was like not quite yet at the height of his powers. And she no, just, he's Jeff Goldblooming. And then he's Jeff Goldblum and she's like, I've yeah. had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're simply too much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he, I think many people have told him that probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked the um, so a few a few kind of notes here about some of the sets and stuff. So I really liked the depiction of like the the magazine's office. So you've got you've got uh, Ronnie and you've got um, Staffis sat down having their conversation about what this article could be. And it's just an, em- well, it's not quite an empty room, but it's a very like non-busy office. It's clearly his office. And there's there's a, other sort of a bigger office outside the door or whatever, part of a bigger department. But I love the idea that like in like these big magazines, they've got time to just sit there and casually back and forth about articles and stuff like this. So I, because of the type of work I do, we put out a quarterly publication. I can tell you right now, that's not a fucking how, how magazines are published. There is no leisurely conversations, batting ideas back and forth. You don't have time for that. Like that's just not how it works. Um, but that's a recurring feature within films. Like it's someone's going to their boss. Oh, you need to let me do this story. And the boss is like, oh, I don't know. Like, no, you don't have time for that. That's that's not how journalism works. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's really organized journalism. Maybe they're doing like stuff for months in advance. I don't know. Could be, could be. To be fair, this was the eighties. We had time in the eighties. It is, but I can't imagine they'd let like one journalist just focus on one story the whole time. Like in reality, she'd be focusing on like five or six different stories at once and coordinating a whole bunch of things. Well, it would... I guess, um, like, and you know, back in the olden days when it wasn't like 
quick clickbait stuff. I mm. guess people would actually read the things properly, so you could dead, you know, you could justify the time being dedicated. But it's funny you point out this part because I found the first fifteen minutes or so of this film so dry. I was like, oh my god, just like make him a fly already. <laughs> I was going to get to watch Jeff Goldblum aw- awkwardly shag Gina Gina Davis. And I say shag because it was very awkward. I was sat with my dad again. Why is it I always watch these films with my parents? I didn't realize how much Jeff Goldblooming I'd see. No, I didn't realize there was that much good Jeff Goldblooming in this either. To be fair, and I, they do different positions too. I know, and there's lots of there's lots of um. I say lots. There's not that much moaning actually. There's some moaning going on, but. Jeff Goldblum just ums his way through it. So. He's just like, um, uh, uh, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, that could be March. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, the, other, the other bit of set I wanted to say was um, the, the laboratory. So that's quite good fun. Um, it's that old fashioned way that certain films try to make something look futuristic, but it very rapidly becomes dated when you look back on it, you know, from the present or so, a week later yeah yeah or a week or a week later yeah not even and then they also have piano like why piano yeah yeah i love that his first thing to do when he's brought her back is to just go and play piano just to show off <laughs> look, look look what i can do <laughs> i can play um, chopsticks oh. I can, yeah oh i'm talented i'm jeff goldblum <laughs> yes so, it's me he's so jeff goldblum <laughs> yes so could you be any more jeff goldblum yeah he um but the other thing there is the lighting in the lab now this is such a like a a kind of like a small thing to focus on but i thought the lab was really like beautifully lit throughout so you've got a lot of it's not it's not overly overtly bright it's actually quite gloomy at points but it's just the right amount of um it kind of creates a tense atmosphere almost just by its clinical nature and there's as you say there's these haphazard items everywhere like the piano like some of the sofas like the fridge in the corner um and he i mean it's i say lab it's he clearly lives there as well so it's like laboratory come living space um but there's something quite unsettling about it just as a location i mean even looking at the outside of the building and stuff i was thinking you know if someone brought me there i'm not sure i'd be going inside no, I w- no. especially not at night when he's just like you need to come with me so i can show you something about like, oh, no you're all right i think not on this occasion <laughs> have you noticed all his characters seem to be like a, a story of the perils of animal testing <laughs> yeah yeah, Cats and Dogs, Jurassic Park, The Fly. Like, three is, like, a, a pattern. That is a pattern. That's really funny. I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. This is the first thing I thought of. I'm like, dude, you're testing on animals, you're fucked. That's it. You've screwed it. As soon as you played around with the monkey. No. Well, maybe th- that's why... Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was about to say there. I don't think this is an anti-animal testing film. I don't think the director even thought of that. I don't think they cared about the the well-being of the baboon. And the story. I probably did in the set. Maybe. Um, but like for me, I'm like, dude, that's just karmic. That's just you asking for it. You're mm. going to explore the monkey and not care about it? He's like, I'm sorry I killed your brother. I'm like, dude, that's cold. See, that I thought that was another bit of really good special effects, I have to say. when like, I mean, you, you didn't linger on it for too long, but when you saw the baboon like inside out and still kind of alive, like, I mean, it was horrific. dying. But like, yeah, it was horrific, but it was so well done. Like, it I was thought well it done. was. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, oh, 
don't want, I don't really want to see it, but I've seen it. But it's, you know what? It's funny because I might not want to see it, but if someone told me about it, I would Google it. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't have, it's, if I'd known it was coming, I wouldn't have looked away in the same, in the way that like, I look away when I'm getting blood done or whatever. Like, I'm one of those people, I cannot look at the needle when I'm getting my blood done or anything like that. I have to just look away and pretend it's not happening. Like, I'm perfectly fine to look at a fucking mangled baboon. That's fine. You know, <laughs> Compar- I can watch Saw and see people getting sawn in half or whatever, but I can't, I can't anything to do with needles. No, it can't be out. That's too much. <laughs> yeah, simply too much. Yep. Simply too much. I can't possibly cope with that. Um, well, if you can watch Jack Goldblum awkwardly pounding into Gina Davis, you can, you can watch an inside out baboon. Yes, I did. And I managed, I managed to get through both. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like some of the dialogue choices in this because they're a little bit lame. Uh, someone Someone's referred to as a petty schmuck at one point, <laughs> which I do enjoy. Don't upset the children who are watching, you know. I know. Well, that's true. Um, there was another one that I really liked. Let me see if I can find it on my notes. You're a fucking drag. <laughs> yeah, when she wouldn't get into the machine. The whack insults. Like... You're a fucking drag. Like, oh God, is there nothing else? Like, uh, that's such a lame insult. I quite like how the machines are, I suppose, initially introduced as a, as a, or, or rather, I quite like how they, they sort of start thinking about uh, putting like real flesh based products for the machines with the steak. Um, and how that was explained that like the, the steak that went through, it was, it was cut in half. Um, and um, uh, Ronnie had to try each half. One half went through the machine and one didn't. And the one that went through ended uh, ended up tasting somewhat synthetic. And I like the description there that essentially it's not just that things are transported and come out the other side, it's that they're deconstructed and reconstructed. So what's coming out the other side isn't necessarily identical to what went in in the first place. It's It's how the machine essentially understands it and how it rebuilds it. And stuff i think there was a point so i can't remember the exact point this is at because um because i just can't but i've got i've got a note here that says you smell bad and the funny thing is um i've always right so this is a bit odd but whenever you look at jeff goldblum i have always kind of had this idea that he would probably have quite a strong smell and i'm not saying he looks like he stinks particularly bad but you know how you get people that do just have a fairly strong like odor he looks like he would have quite a strong scent um and uh i don't know like, this film doesn't do him any favors in that <laughs> regard i don't no. think no no when the parts of them were like falling off like oh god the stench of that yeah <laughs> that the, was real yeah totally his machine is fucking flawed by the way see if i went in there mm-hmm. can you imagine what i would come out like the amount of dog hairs that are on my clothing <laughs> god yeah that's a scary fault it's just like really flawed <laughs> to be honest you know ba- based on the way that you and sydney both spend most of your time sleeping you might not come out any different exactly i might actually be a happier being yeah i might actually be a more content of all i have to do is eat sleep poop mm-hmm. and sometimes go for a walk i think i would be a much more content being so maybe actually it would be a miracle rather than a horrific thing but i don't know he didn't look like anything like the fly did he so i doubt i'd look like a cute puppy no it'd probably be no it'd probably be quite scary 
you might you might end up looking like one of the puppets that was used in werewolf in london or something like that <laughs> like just not quite real looking but not quite not real looking and just yeah. a bit a bit awkward um slowly losing the ability to speak as well as you or one of the cats from 2020 cats because you know it has to look oh, something God. similar <laughs> yeah <laughs> in fact that's probably a better better uh, better uh, description of what would happen i suspect um Speaking of his computer, I like the way that he asks the computer questions directly and it answers. Like, so it, it's not like fucking Ask Jeeves where you would ask for something and it would give you, here's some things that are irrelevant or whatever. It gives direct answers to his questions. Like, what what's happened to your, like, yo, well, your DNA has been mixed with something else. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, a fly. Like, they just... <laughs> I, I like that the computer wouldn't instantly just go to like the fly in the first place. It kind of like drags the suspense out. Yeah, it wants to have a conversation. It doesn't want to like. It's, it's a Jeff Bloomy computer. It's been programmed by him. Yeah. <laughs> AIs need love too, so you know they they get bored. They want conversation. I'm surprised he didn't say um in the middle of his sentences. <laughs> he, he types the word um into the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, your fly. Um, you are a fly, yes. <laughs> so there's a few other things there. Just, um, I've, I mean, I've, I've kind of said this already, but I think it's worth reiterating again. The progression that the Jeff Goldblum goes through this in terms of like the makeup and and decomposing and stuff, I think it's really, really impressive throughout because it's not, it does get a little bit silly towards the end, a bit like OTT, but like I think for the most part, it's a pretty good progression. Um, I think that the other bit that was a little bit uh, see i i wasn't really sure where the story was going when um when um she found out that she was pregnant and then you know she gives birth to a maggot in a dream sequence and stuff because i was thinking she doesn't look big enough to be bigging giving birth to anything particularly big at that point so i was kind of like either something like watery is gonna come out here or something <laughs> or well yeah i was like maybe yeah maybe she's just gonna short all over the table or something i don't know i don't know so i was like this either has to be a dream or it's or it's gonna need to justify where it's going and then it turns out to be a dream although she is kind of still pregnant were suggested yeah i, well, I thought it'd be a ton of little maggots to be honest i i, I kind of liked the fact that it was a big maggot although i think loads of little ones would have made more sense it looked like a big white shite. <laughs> it probably did, but it was wiggling around as well. It was just like mm, mm. probably could have done with looking a little bit more realistic, I suppose. But hey ho, it, it is what it is. I loved but the she reactions. Well. She did. She reacted well, and I love the reactions of the doctors as well. Like that. To be fair, like I mean, it's it's a pretty gruesome scene, but it's it's kind of uh, like, I wouldn't say fun actually it's not exactly a fun scene but i think it's a good addition to to where the story's going it adds a little bit of extra drama and a little bit of extra uh suspense to the proceedings so i mean she's still yeah she's still pregnant but we, like, it's not confirmed that it's but it's also not not confirmed that it's a maggot well so i i don't know if this is what happens but there is a sequel there is a the fly too oh, um <laughs> and i don't know um so how could it happen twice? Some things just don't need a sequel, and I really hope the baby's not the thing. That would be really horrible. Stolt's character in this sequel is the adult son of Veronica Coif and Seth oh. Brundy, a scientist who became a human-fly hybrid as a result of an experiment gone awry. 
with the exception of stock footage from Goldblum from the first film, John Getz was the only actor to reprise his role. Um, I wouldn't have done it then. Uh, unlike the first film, this received negative views. So, yeah, so basically, I think I think that is the story of the the child being a fly from the looks of things. That's okay. <laughs> I would have said though, based on the timeline, they probably conceived it before he was a fly. That fair point. But I guess they decided that's not the case for this. I guess not. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the timeline for this is, but hey-ho. It was just a little added bit of body horror, I think. The pregnancy bit and his humanity and all this. And I I do enjoy that when they, they go to the lab to try and confront him uh, for the final time. Uh, well, actually, it's when they've gone to the abortion center and uh, he breaks in to kidnap her. She puts the least resistance to a kidnapping in. Uh, She's like, like, no. No, stop. <laughs> put me down like it's just yeah. she doesn't try kicking or whatever she just lets him carry her away and that's it she's just completely helpless clearly can't yeah. <laughs> can't raise her arm to slap him or nothing just but it's really confused like she's like i want an abortion like now and, and the ex is like well actually you have to tell him first i'm like i don't know man you've seen what he looks like i like that they managed to find someone that was willing to do it now though like they they clearly went out in the middle of the night and the guy was just in his office and <laughs> they just turn up and just was like, no. So <laughs> he's like, all right. All right, then you get yourself ready. And then the fly breaks through the wall and carries her out the room while she does nothing to stop the situation continuing. How did he know about it? I thought she didn't tell him. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that happened because that I think I'm right in saying that's the only time we see him as the fly outside of his own lab. So, yeah. like, it's for the most part, he's just like a, a recluse by that point. Yeah, but he flies in, but he doesn't have any wings. Yeah, and well, he jumps off the roof of the building as well to yeah. the, the ground below. He's it's not just, a very good fly. He's not. The, um, the, you know, the clues in the title of the name. Yeah. Um, to be fair though, like the vomiting is probably about as fly like as I would want. Like it, it does uh, some of the, the the gross out stuff is really gross, and uh, there are a few elements that's kind of left to your imagination. But more often than not, it's not. We do see him vomiting on a donut and stuff, and um, we see his ear getting torn off and his ear falling off, just yeah. like gently, and it all covers his jaw gets ripped off. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like that part. <laughs> really I, the fingernails made me a little bit uncomfortable as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't like that. Fingernails and teeth, I'm always really sensitive mm. about. So Yeah, definitely. And his teeth fell out too, so that was They fun. did, yeah. And he was kind of like, oh, he was kind of pleased almost. He's just like, into the archives you go. <laughs> he did his Jeff Goldblum flimmy rant. He's like, oh, you're a history. Yeah. Something not needed, but something to be <laughs> looked at <laughs> only. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? I like that that was his kind of like, not a pickup line exactly, but he's just like, would you like to come and see my my archives? And she's just like, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to come and see your ear and your teeth. Yeah, just to, to go back then to the the other little bit of this that we've not really talked about too much then is the kind is the, the, the relationship between uh, Ronnie and um, uh, what's his name? 
the guy I've lost the fucking cast list, so I can't find it. Do you mean Stathis or Seth? Stathis. Stathis. Yeah. So they were clearly a couple at one point, although it's complicated now because he's her boss. Um, and he he pursues her in a way that is pretty uh overstepping the line really like he just turns up in her flat and she comes home one day and he's in the shower for example and it's just like it's a bit desperate it's um but she tolerates it in a way that i don't particularly like either because she's just like right i want you to get out and i want you to give the key back and he's just like well that's not fun is it and that's the end of the conversation basically and then later on he just lets himself into the flat at points as well there are points where he's in her flat and she comes home when he's already there and then he'll just walk in and go speak to her and she she just doesn't react by that point because he's there so often and it's just like this is i'm i understand that it's complicated between them because there is the like the boss employee dynamic yeah like there is I'd be fucking furious if I got home and my boss was here. <laughs> what are you doing in my flat? This is my time. Oh, oh, can you imagine my boss in my flat? <laughs> God, you just go through your stuff and be like, Sammy, what's this? Typically, <laughs> Sam, what's this? And um, yeah, so the, their relationship is a little bit weird. He does come through in the end. I mean, it does, it does come at the cost of one of his arms and one of his legs. And to be honest, I actually thought he'd died um, when he kind of passed out. He does pass out, but I, I feel like that might have been enough to kill him, you know, because if you've gone through the shock of seeing... Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Well, there's totally. a shock of feeling the pain of that. Well, the pain, but like, just like, I reckon that would give you a heart attack anyway, just like the emotional sort of visual thing of seeing parts of yourself just... Well, yeah, it's not even amputated. It's been fucking melted off. Yeah, like that's got to be a fucking... If you ignore the pain, there's the stress element of that as well. There's just so many factors going on there. So um, he does kind of redeem himself a little bit, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's like a great character or even a good character. He's kind of, he. I, to be honest, I actually think he acts as a way of just helping the plot along in some ways because really there's only two main characters in this and she needs someone to, to be around when... Um, when there's problems going on so so here's the the creepy x i guess um i don't know like i mean it's such a small critique in the grand scheme of things like i i, I don't really know i i, I mean the, the fact they had a previous relationship probably does add something to it it does add a level of complication that um makes the dynamics a little bit more interesting but but i don't really like him at the same time no he's not likable but he does at least Saver, I'll give him that. But it also makes fucking Jeff's character like ridiculous. Like the fact that he just like <laughs> like one small hiccup in a relationship of him of her going to go and tell him to fuck off, and mm-hmm. he immediately goes under the deep end, gets absolutely wasted, and fucks himself over. Yeah, and brings other people home. And yeah, stuff. but he's meant to be like a scientist, and it's like really you're that fucking <laughs> you're that. It's the word. What do you say? Dumb. It's like oblivious, maybe, or it's small, weak willed. Like you're just like so fragile. We yeah, weak willed. But I think sometimes um, there are some like decisions that are so stupid that only really smart people can have made them. 
you know, there are some things that are so clearly false that only really intelligent people can buy into them. Like it's, I, I genuinely believe that that's a thing. And so I, I do buy the idea that you would have a scientist like this that would make childish decisions and react somewhat emotionally to things. Cause I mean, if you think about it, like whenever, I mean, I can say this, I don't want to project this onto you, but for me, when I think of some of the most like childish things or whatever that I've ever done, usually they've been as a result of being in like a feeling of like high intense emotion. And so like you can really do some fucking stupid things when you're not like sitting down to think clearly. And that is a, that is a, he, it's a quite, it's a total 180 because they're getting on one moment and then the next he's like, right, fuck off. And then he's down at the bar trying to score with someone else. Like that's a total emotional reaction to, to, to something that doesn't need to be, <laughs> yeah it's a big overreaction but i guess he's also like a bit socially stunted because who brings a girl back and plays the piano well i mean yeah scientists i guess he's too busy too busy doing experiments to too busy sciencing to <laughs> to learn to talk there's too much science to be done so exactly yeah so how do you how do you feel about it overall then like what what now that you have watched it what's your sort of feeling on it I wish I'd, when we were doing the body horror and the postmodernism <laughs> modules in uni, I wish I'd actually watched it mm-hmm. and maybe done an essay on it because I feel like there's a lot you could do if you were like properly analysing it that way. Yeah. Um, as it stands as me just watching stuff casually as we do in this podcast, it was highly disturbing. <laughs> it was highly disturbing. I would maybe watch it again, but I'm not going to like rush to watch it again. I understand why it's so highly acclaimed. It's a really good body horror film, but mm. oh God, it is, it is grim. Mm-hmm. What about you? It's not a fun watch, but I would agree. I can definitely see why it's rated so highly. And I, I say it's not a fun watch. Like there are fun moments. Like, fun, fun being an appreciation of some of the special effects or some of the ideas that are at least tried. And, you know, it's, I, I think it does, I think it makes mostly all the right moves and most of the time it executes them correctly as well. I think, it, de- it definitely has got a little bit of age on its side for some of the special effects, but it's it's good fun overall. And I think it is, it's kind of cool to see an earlier Goldblum role. Um, and I think for me as well, it was it was a nice opportunity just to see the film in the whole, um, in one, well, two goes, I split it in two, but basically in one setting, as opposed to just like coming in at the end and seeing the last few minutes or whatever. Um, it has been on my list of things to see for quite a while and I've just never got round to it. So I'm, I am pleased that we've kind of had the opportunity to do that for this, even if it does mean that like I'm monopolized one of the weeks of the birthday month with a choice there. But um well, to be fair, we went. So, how this birthday month has wa- worked is we went onto a Jeff Goldblum's greatest movie list and just went for the top four, mm-hmm. which is why Independence Day is not in the list, and that is a weird admission. But it's just because we went by what was on the list. Yeah, fair enough. Fair. Um, so, no, I I liked it. I probably would watch it again, but I'm I'm not going to rush back to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I would rather watch a different body horror. You know, I'd rather yeah see some other gross stuff. I've already seen this gross stuff. Yeah, uh, I ha- and incidentally, I have no interest in seeing the sequel. Um, no, me neither. I really don't want to see it. You know it's going to be shit. <laughs> yeah, no interest. Um, what's some things there? are just a one-time only. Exactly. Some things Some things just don't need a sequel as well. Like, that's it. Some things just do not need a sequel. No, I just assume she got an abortion like a sensible person. 
in, in your head canon that's that's what yeah happened. she got rid of it because come on you I, they weren't really like together that long to warrant no. the emotional bonding they had no because he wasn't the most charismatic man either like come on no <laughs> well that's that then so next week the birthday month continues and we will be looking at jurassic park um so are we doing fun. Jurassic Park next week? Well, I guess maybe, unless you want to do something. Oh, else. did we decide that because it was easy? Because it was we, panic. Yeah, originally we were going to be like. Yeah, we'll do Jurassic Park. You're right. Can we just do that? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had no idea. I was like, what? <laughs> what are we doing, Helen? Well, yes, it's decided. It's canon. We're doing yeah. Jurassic Park. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you've liked what you've heard. Want more? Follow us on Instagram at One of Us Is Bored. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a rating and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts.